The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Hey, we're back at you with some more buzz. That's the pet buzz. And before I get started, I want to give a shout out to some of our listeners at WFJX 910 AM and WFJX 104.3 FM in Roanoke, Virginia. We love you guys. And we want to thank our listeners at WQKR 1270 AM in Portland, Nashville. Thank you all for joining us this week and every week on the pet bus. Yeah, absolutely. We've got some great listeners around the country. Oh, yeah. 65 plus stations. So check this out. We're getting close to beggars night. You like that beggars mm. night? OK, so that's what they call it in the Midwest or fright night or Halloween. And I've been getting a lot of emails about the subject, but there's one specific that I want to talk to you about. And actually, it kind of it kind of gave me some some thought because it really has to do with your dog's names. And, you know, like I went through this whole river phase with my dogs at a Hudson, a Thames, a Roan, a Tai, and a Morrow. <laughs> so now I'm in this English statesman phase with, you know, Walsingham, Hammy, Churchill, Church, and, uh, and Wally for Walsey, very famous, prominent Englishman. But I never thought about naming my pets, names that were inspired by Halloween. Okay. So here's some, I got this email from Embrace Insurance and I want to share some fun facts with you about the most popular Halloween inspired names. So the company insures many dogs and cats named Pumpkin, Ghost, Boo, Candy, and Salem. And these Halloween inspired names belong to 4,000 pets. Okay. So Bones, Monster, Magic, and Spooky are also popular with over 1,500 pets being having those names. Can you believe that? Yeah. How do they determine the numbers? They look at the they look at the names, you know, like they put in the computer, boo, and how many boos come up? Okay. Oh. The most popular Halloween names were inspired by the movie Hocus Pocus, and they're Winnie. I've never seen that movie, so these names mean nothing to me. Winnie 5,000 plus, Binks 4,000, and Winifred 350 plus. That's a lot of names. And then their names inspired by the movie or the film Nightmare on Elm Street. Embrace had six cats with the name of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so those cats must be scary. Mm -hmm. 70 plus dogs and nearly 50 cats are named Beetlejuice after the Halloween classic. Embrace ensures hundreds of pets with the names inspired by Ghostbusters, the movie, mm -hmm. including Egon, Zool and Gozer. So Casper isn't just the name of the friendly ghost. Over 5,000 Embrace pets go by the name Casper, too. I used to love Casper, the friendly ghost. Do you remember him? Mm -hmm. OK. And there are plenty of pets who would easily join the Adams family with names like Pugsley, Gomez and Morticia. Didn't you love Morticia, especially when Angelica Houston did it? Remember that mm -hmm. in the movie? It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about what's happening today on the show. 
Now, I thought this was really important as I become a master gardener. It's something I'm really sensitive to uh, as I create and build my garden, my Florida-friendly native garden. So submitted on February 1st to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, a petition requested a species of insect should be protected under the Endangered Species Act. I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to give you a hint. It's just buzzing around. Oh, okay. okay. And October is Pet Obesity Month. And the CEO and president of the Pet Food Institute, Dana Brooks, is here to share some pet feeding tips so we can slim down our pets and prevent health problems. But that's later on in the show. Have you ever heard about running with kids? Grammy Award winning singer Usher has turned running with two kids into a new fashion. We want to know if your dog is a genius. Our first guest is going to give us some guidelines on how she created the test. And joining us today is Genius Dog Challenge Project Manager, Shani Dorr. Miss Dorr is a PhD candidate in the ethology department at the University in Budapest, Hungary. So Shani, welcome to the Pet Buzz today. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. You know, Shani, I'm so curious. Talk to us. What is the Genius Dog Challenge? So the Genius Dog Challenge is kind of a combination of a scientific project and also a social media campaign. We find that dogs that know the names of objects are very, very rare, and we wanted to find more dogs like this. So we came up with this challenge where we, it, we test the dog's ability to learn names of objects. And we broadcast it so people can see it in live broadcasts at their home. Cool. So what prompted your research? Well, we've been looking for dogs that know the names of objects for about two or three years now. Uh, there's a few studies done in the past where show, that show that one dog was able to learn the names of a thousand and another dog learned 200. But these are very few cases. And we wanted to know if this is something rare or can all dogs learn to do this? So our first study looked into this and we found that actually very few dogs can learn the names of objects. And then we decided to look deeper into this phenomenon and try to understand what makes these dogs different from other dogs and how exactly do they understand the words, uh, the names of the objects? How does this uh, compare to the way humans understand names of objects? Cool. I know you, in this particular study, you use border collies primarily, correct? Yeah. And I'm curious, were some of the other studies, did they use border collies as well? So there were two studies that uh, worked with Yorkshire Terriers. And most of the studies indeed used worked with border collies. But this is not a strictly border collie phenomena. So yes, it is more common among border collies. But even among border collies, it is very, very rare. We have tested, uh, we have trained 18 border collies of none, and none of them have learned the names of objects. So I would say this is more common among border collies, but not exclusively border collie. And we see it also in a few other breeds. We have one German Shepherd, a Pekingese, a few mixed breeds. So not only border collie. So now talk to us about the protocols of the study. Well, we get a lot of owners calling us and telling us, my dog knows the names of objects. And we are very excited when this happens. And when we start testing the dogs, we notice that actually what the dogs are doing, because dogs are 
the masters of reading human communication. There are, there are some studies showing that they're way better than chimpanzees and wolves and many other animals. And what the dogs typically do is that when you ask them for something, they read the complete picture, not only what you're saying. So if you have a bowl and a rope in front of you and you're asking your dog to bring the rope, you might be accidentally turning a bit towards the rope, accidentally looking a bit more towards the rope. And the dogs very easily pick up on this. This is called the clever hands effect, where uh, the animal is actually reacting according to what the human is reacting to. So in our studies, what we do is we want to isolate this component. So we place the toys outside of the owner's view. And this way we know that the owners have no idea what the dog is doing and they cannot help the dog. Shane, you know, that's really very interesting and a great protocol approach. Hey, we're up against it right now. We're taking a hard break. Can you stick around for another segment? Sure. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We know people love their dogs and many like to take them everywhere to lunch, to work, shopping. But dogs are only welcome in places where they behave. Our very own etiquette and pet trendologist Charlotte Reed discusses decorum for every occasion in her book, Miss Fido Manners, complete book of dog etiquette. She provides tips for behaving at home and on the street, eating in or going out. Plus, extending pet courtesy to others in places of business, being mindful of others while traveling, and treating veterinarians, pet sitters, and dog groomers with respect. With Miss Fido Manners, pet owners can learn how to behave appropriately in all kinds of situations. Miss Fido Manners from pet trendologist Charlotte Reed on Amazon. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. So, I just moved in with this family, and it's embarrassing. The little one, he likes to go outside and crawl around in the giant litter box. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, I was born, and I knew how to use the litter box. That's disgusting! I really hope he grows out of this, for his sake. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Hey, it's Dr. Mike Fleck, back with you here on the Pet Buzz. With the popular movement to save our environment, our precious beef, and especially our barbecued steaks, may be in line for extinction. According to current biology, cows don't make an effort to restrict their urine to any one particular place. The article also confirms that cow's pee is a greenhouse gas, maybe 300 times more potent than carbon monoxide and 10 times more than methane. So, University of Auckland in New Zealand to the rescue. They taught cows to be potty trained and use a latrine instead of the pasture. So, in the future, mobile toilets in the pasture might become as visible as windmills. Contain the pee, neutralize the greenhouse gas, and hooray, we keep our stinks. 
Okay, so Dr. Fleck and I are back with Shani Drawer, our PhD candidate in the ethiology department at the university. Um, E-T-L-E and Budapest, Hungary. She's discussing a really interesting project, the Genius Dog Challenge Project. This is really important to the pet parents out there because they sure. really recognize and think their pets are really intelligent. They think their pet is a genius. Genius. So now they're yes. going to actually have some equipment and some knowledge to uh, some reinforcing it to see if their dog is really yes, a genius. Yes. So let's go back to Shani and ask her, talk about what the research revealed. Well, we found that these dogs are extremely rare, but also learn very, very fast. One of our previous studies found that these dogs can learn the names of objects after hearing them only four times. Now, whoever is working with dogs and training dogs, knowing that telling the dog, for example, the command sit four times normally will not stick. So not only are they doing here something that is very special, learning names of objects, which we know most dogs cannot do, they are also doing it extremely fast. And what we also found in our latest study is that they can remember these objects for two months, even if they have learned a lot. I think a lot of uh, students will relate that if you learn a lot of things at once, you normally forget most of them and you forget them very quickly. <laughs> but our dogs, they learned 12 toys in one week and they've managed to remember them for two months later. I don't remember what I was tested about two months ago. So before, <laughs> before Dr. Fleck ask you another question, I want to make sure I understand this. So the dogs had six toys. They <laughs> learned the six toys. And then over a course of a month, and then the next month they were introduced to another six toys. No, they had, okay. so they had one week to learn the names of six toys. Okay. That was the first stage. We tested them at the end of the week. We found that they learned the names of the six toys. Then we decided, okay, let's double the difficulty level because six toys seem to be quite easy. So we gave the owners 12 new toys and only one week. Now, if you try to train your dog to learn 12 new commands in one week, that's a lot of work. And what was amazing here is the owners actually didn't put a lot of work into it. So most of the owners were playing with the dog for about half an hour a day. And this was enough to learn 12 new names of objects in one week. Then two months later, we tested the dogs and we found that they still remember the names of the toys. Amazing. That's totally amazing. amazing. Okay. So the one week, six toys. Easy. Easy. And then 12 toys. To then they had another six toys. So 12 toys, new toys, new, new, 12 toys. new toys. It wasn't an average six. It was a 12 new toys. New, wow. 12 so that's new like toys. 18 yeah. toys. And they remember them. I don't think you'd remember 18. Toys. I didn't remember what she just said. So obviously, <laughs> I mean, we're I, in trouble. Yeah, we're in trouble. Maybe they're smarter than us. So 18 toys. So that's what these dogs had to learn. Mm -hmm. OK, and I'm curious were the toys picked or selected based on the breeds, because you tended to use more border collies. So, I mean, like, it was very challenging to pick the toys because some of these dogs have over 100 toys. So, and we have six toys, six dogs. When the, so, we had to find toys that none of the dogs already had. Um, other than that, we didn't have any specific requirements for the toys. So, as long as the dogs did not have any of these toys and did not already know the names of these toys, that was enough for us. And it was already quite a lot of work finding toys that none of the 600 already <laughs> existed. Wow. As researchers call it, this was a really neat blind study. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So then what can pet owners really take away from this study? Well, I think from our 
direct com uh, what we find we cannot directly say it relates to normal dogs because as i said these dogs seem to be very special but what i think most pet owners should consider when they're working with their dogs is how much the dog is understanding the whole communicative context meaning that if i am lifting my head while i'm telling the dog to sit there's a good chance that my dog is actually picking up on me lifting the head and not on the word that i'm saying and with this study, we really see how sensitive dogs are to human communicative cues and all the little movements that we don't think that we are doing and we're not planning on doing. If we want to have really good, clear communication with our dogs, then we need to be very aware of these and then gradually get rid of them, try to eliminate them. You know, it's really interesting. So I guess all in all, dogs are a lot more visual to body, to body clues as well as objects. So we just read a story or we just talked about a story last week about a dog that had been blind its whole life. The owner didn't know about it. Turned out that the owner's dog, she had rescued the dog. He was probably three or four years old and it was a border collie, believe it or not. Remember the story? Yeah. And um, she had no idea the dog was blind. In truth, once she ended up taking it to a leading ophthalmologist at Cambridge University, she found that his retinas never really developed. So that's how she knew the dog was blind his whole life. He managed to be able to jump on a chair or do various things. So I'm curious the difference between auditory versus visual. Dogs are a lot like people. They seem to be a lot more visual. Well, I think it, there is a combination there. Mm -hmm. they, when it comes to communicating with us, they're definitely very visual. Also, humans are known to be very, uh, I would say that the non-verbal communication is a huge part of what we understand when we are communicating with other people. I guess that's why we're using emojis. So mm -hmm. it's not only what we're saying, but it's also how we're saying it in our body, the way we move while we're saying it. And we do actually have one study that is looking into how the dogs um, comprehend the objects <clears throat> with their different senses. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the results are not yet published, so you'll have to wait to hear about that. I can just say it's really interesting results. No, I mean, I, th I think that's I, I, I can't wait. We're going to have you have to come back. Absolutely. I want to point out that this is not fantasy, what you're talking about, because in everyday practices, it's not every day. But I actually have experienced that this week we had a schnauzer come in, new schnauzer. Uh, adopted from a shelter mm -hmm. and was appearing everything to be normal. And then one day she just happened to notice that there wasn't proper movement and she was recommended to take it to an ophthalmologist. The ophthalmologist said the exact same thing. The retina never developed in this dog because when it came to me and I says, Oh, it can't be right. So I took my ophthalmoscope, you know, and put the light in there to show him that there was vision. There was absolutely no vision and that and she didn't even know that the that the individual was blind. Yeah. It didn't bump into furniture. It didn't bump into anything when it went outside. Amazing. Well, Shane, I have to admit that having you here today is going to make me more cognizant of when our pet parents come in and they tell me how much of a genius their pet is. And of course, I look away and roll my eyes. I can't do that anymore. They're probably right. <laughs> they could. Well, I think all 
all I think all pet parents think their dogs are geniuses, don't you? Some think so more than others. But I would say that they all are in a very uh, amazing, in a very special way, because I could not read body language like my dog does. The way that he can pick up on the small cues that I unconsciously give for me is amazing. And I think they can do it in many cases much better than humans. We got to definitely have you back. This is good for our, our pet parents because they're going to love knowing that their pet There's a- is really smart. Well, they have to put in the time. I mean, you know, obviously they spend time. That time. <laughs> well, Shani, thank you so much for visiting with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Just to remind you, that was Shani Drawer discussing her genius dog challenge to try to find out if your dog is a genius. GeniusDogChallenge.com. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Need more buzz? We've got plenty more for you on our social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We call it Pet Buzz Plus. It's the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. So remember, Pet Buzz Plus. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Often should you bathe your pet? Well, I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed, and I'm asked that question often. How often you should wash your dog depends on a number of factors, including his health, breed, coat, and activity level, as well as where these activities are taking place. Dogs who spend days outside rolling and things are going to need a bath far more often than the ones who spend most of their time on the couch. Or you can always take the smell test. If your dog walked into the room and you can smell them, it's time for a bath. Make sure when it's time for a bath, you gather up all the supplies, including a non-slip mat and plenty of towels. Use shampoo formulated for dogs and turn your cell phone off to avoid distraction. And if you have a dog that hates getting a bath, smear some peanut butter on the bathtub wall and let him lick it off while you bathe him. Then he'll know bathing can really be a treat. Can't get enough of the buzz? We're online at thepetbuzz.com with daily features including helpful tips from Charlotte, more flex facts, and a lot of ways for you to save on all of your favorite pet needs. Let's move on and talk about what you guys want to know. What's up, Doc? So, Dr. Fleck, this week we have a question from Jody from Michigan. And she wrote, Dr. Fleck, can you give me some home remedies for a canine upset stomach? You know, this is such a great question because daily I see at least a couple of clients, a couple of patients that have these issues that come into the clinic. And the most common signs of an upset stomach in dogs are, you know, diarrhea and vomiting. Mm -hmm. But watch for some other signs of upset stomach in dogs that can occur and give you a clue that there's an issue with the the tummy or the intestine, such as 
They can have decreased appetite or loss of appetite. They can act like they're fatigued. They're drinking less water. They might even seem like they're depressed. They can just look uncomfortable, just like we'd be uncomfortable with a tummy upset. And they can be stretching out more, just like us. Or they might even be gulping to combat reflux. And another thing that can happen, and, and I don't want to say this happens every time when they have upset stomachs, but some of them might be licking their lips, or they might be opening their mouth, trying to absorb air, gulping at air. Also, a lot of times when dogs lick their lips, that's also a sign of stress, too. So you have to be careful. You have to read the signs and the rest of the body language. But I have a question. So can you tell us a few remedies for an upset stomach? What are they? It is crucial to consult with your veterinarian before administering any home remedies to soothe your puppy's tummy problems. That's very important because we have to be concerned, was your stomach upset because of some irritation? Or is there even possibly something that could cause a blockage in the tummy, which is something very serious? So if your veterinarian recommends at-home monitoring, these are a few ideas you can ask them about trying while you are at home with your pet. Let's start with fasting. When your dog's stomach is trying to get rid of something, it can be helpful to stop putting more things into the tummy for maybe a half a day. If the GI tract system is having a tough time, you don't want it to digest things and make it more difficult on the tummy. So fasting may seem simple enough, but it's really important to speak with your veterinarian first because some dogs, particularly small breeds or those with maybe poor health conditions, cannot tolerate fasting as well as others. So if your vet does recommend fasting, ask whether they would like you to start a bland diet after the fasting period is complete. Sometimes it may be, as I like to recommend, white rice. And low sodium chicken broth, right? Well, I like to recommend the rice and I like you to boil the chicken. And I like you not necessarily to use the chicken broth, but use just the chicken pieces from that. Okay. Because the broth can sometimes irritate the pancreas. Right, because there could be some some grease in it. Okay. Okay. And what else? What other remedies? Ice cubes. Mm. You don't want them to gulp down water. So if you put ice cubes down, they have to lick it. So they're they're gaining fluids into the system without imbibing a lot of water, which they would like to do if they're feeling uncomfortable. So monitoring your dog's water intake and discouraging the gulping is important. Offer your dog ice chips to help encourage some drinking. If your dog can keep down small quantities of water or ice chips, you can gradually increase the amount and how often you are offering the water and ice to the pet. Yeah, that's a good thing. I never really thought about it. I I always knew that sometimes vets were offered, I mean, dogs were offered ice Mm -hmm. chips, but it makes sense now. Okay, so you recommended this to me, Cam Pumpkin, right? Absolutely. One of my strongest recommendations. When when fighting indigestion and upset tummies and dogs, 100% canned pumpkin is a favorite of all of us veterinarians. Pumpkin has a low glycemic index, so it's slowly absorbed, which helps with upset tummies and for digestion. Make sure to get the 100% canned pumpkin, not pumpkin pie mix, as you don't want to feed your dog some spices and other ingredients that could irritate the, the lining of the tummy or the intestine. 
check that there are no ingredients listed other than pumpkin, such as sugar or even a sugar substitute, which would be a no-no. Also note smaller dogs, approximately five pounds, can be fed one half of the teaspoon, maybe a few times of the day um, of that pumpkin. But if you're a larger dog, say 75 pounds, they could be fed tablespoons, one tablespoon at a time, a couple times the day. Be sure to ask your vet if they have a particular brand recommendation. Always talk to your vet first to find out the best course of action. I don't know. Is there any other pumpkin other than Libby's? I mean, I don't even know. I'm sure there is, but that's the only thing I ever see. Well, the generics. Okay. Well, that's some great advice. I'm actually glad this was a great question because a lot of people always want to know what should they do as a home remedy if the dog has diarrhea and they can't get to the vet or something happens. And even before that, should I take my pet to the vet? Exactly. Exactly. But if they call and they ask if they can do some of the home remedies, that'll save them some money and a trip to the vet visit. But also the pet has time to relax. And if it gets worse, like you said, you got to take your pet to the vet. What's up, doc? You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. My name is Michelle Schaefer. I'm the mom of three boys, and I'm from Haddonfield and North Wildwood, New Jersey. I met Aladdin through my work with Lilo's Promise Animal Rescue, and I foster the emaciated dogs that come into our program. Aladdin came to us. He had been dumped at the side of the road. He weighed about 18 pounds. He had broken bones, other wounds, and he was missing 12 teeth. He was the worst abuse case I had ever seen. The most moving experience that I've had while working with Aladdin were when we were first responders at the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. And Aladdin usually works off leash. He was on leash that night and he led me over to a very specific person. And here that man had been in the nightclub the night of the shootings. He and Aladdin shared a very special moment that really made me cry. Aladdin has changed the way I see the world in a million different ways. The main thing is to treat people with kindness and compassion. My name is Michelle Schaefer and Aladdin and I are individuals. Welcome back to the Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz, enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Well, as you know, I always enjoy Halloween. So let's talk about Halloween costumes and and where you can get them. You know, so many people do go to Walmart, Target, but really a lot of people are ordering online for their dog, cat, or even their guinea pig. Dr. Fleck, their guinea pig costumes now. Can you believe it? (laughs) Well, Chewy Online or Chewy.com, they got you covered. You can find foodie, superhero, Disney, Star Wars, as well as their exclusive uh, Frisco collection costumes. Uh, You can also find toys and treats and more. Hopefully they have costumes available this year. I think they do. And I think by this late date, there's discounts. Gotta love those discounts. Good point. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel.
brace yourselves for big news. We're going to the place where all the action is. It's time for Pet Buzz Celebrity Pet News. The most sensational news. Fantastic. I'm so excited. You, you, you ready? Here's pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Okay, let's start this segment off with some celebrity pet buzz. You know, it's marathon season. I just realized that because my segment got canceled in Baltimore the weekend before last. And then this Sunday, it was the Detroit Marathon, and I stopped by the Fox Station in Detroit. So a lot of people are out there running, especially with others. I heard of running with running club members, running with your children, running with the dogs. But now there's something called running with kids. So last week, Grammy Award winning artist Usher was running with baby goats. Oh, not kids, kids, those kind of kids. Baby goats. Last Thursday was his birthday and he shared a collection of photos on social media showing him jogging alongside a really cutie patootie pair of baby goats. The photos can be seen on the Pet Buzz social media channels. I got to tell you. He elevated running with kids into really a fashion opportunity. Was that here in the States or was yeah, it like in it New in Zealand? Yeah, it was in California and he was running with kids. Darn. I actually did some research on the topic and there are a lot of people who go running with kid goats. Running with kid yeah, goats. can you believe hmm. it? <laughs> Definitely not for me. I'm, I'm not a runner. I mean, a walker, but I mean, I just thought it was, he's so nice looking. I met Usher a long time ago when I was on The View back in the day handsome guy really sweet so i posed for a picture of him with him i got curlers of hair and I, I have that purple chinese jacket you've seen i haven't worn it for a long time but i got that purple jacket on and i got curlers in my hair hot rollers at the view one of my favorite pictures <laughs> <laughs> so here's a secret that you all should know about the secret begins with the fact that over half of the nation's dogs and cats are now classified as overweight or obese by their veterinary health care provider. I don't know if it's so much a secret or what do you call it when you don't want to like deal with the fact of reality? What do you call that? Aversion? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's an aversion, right, Dr. Fleck? Sure. And it also sounds like the same kind of consideration we have with humans with overweight. And the percentage. Yeah, but with humans, we have those mirrors that make us always look skinny. (laughs) And joining us today to talk about the pet obesity issue is Dana Brooks, CEO and president of the Pet Food Institute. Dana, welcome to the Pet Buzz. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Thank you, Dr. Fleck. And Charlotte, it's a pleasure to meet you as well. So thank you for inviting me on the show. We have met before. I think we met. Uh, two years ago at the pet event on Capitol Hill. But I was all dolled up and fabulous. And to be honest with you, I think I was wearing a red jumpsuit and I had my little dog (laughs) with his tongue sticking out. Because I even remember the placement of your table was near the window. Yes, yes. Oh, it's a pleasure to meet you again. I now recall (laughs) we all have changed slightly since um, two years ago. So this and this topic is timely for that as well, right? It's it's hey, it's been timely for a long time, yeah. especially when I moved to Florida, because <laughs> in New York you have all these skinny little dogs. Everyone really is walking their dog, exercising their dog, and then I moved to Florida and all the dogs are fat. That's because you just go out in the backyard. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, so I'm going to ask you the big question: Why are American pets so fat? Why are they fatties? That's a real loaded question. So I'll just, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no reflection to ourselves uh, in the United States. But we find feeding our pets uh, love. Many of us, you know, enjoy being fed or treats. And we think that that is the same thing for our pets. We like to share the love, uh, which is an unhealthy way to share. But we like to give them scraps off of our plate and um, we like to feed them special treats maybe a bit too often. And there have probably been some challenges that have also come up during COVID that we can talk about. Mm. It's true. You know, I love all of my dogs so incredibly much. But the one thing that I really never do is I never treat them. Mm. Unlike you, who would give them Cheez-Its and mm. steak, right? Or they have a plate at dinner time. Oh, right. And as a veterinarian, I should say this. Do as I say, not as I do. OK, so for those of us who can't tell if their pets are obese, give us some tips for recognizing pet obesity. Sure. Um, we should be able to look down on our pet and actually see a little bit of an hourglass shape. Again, no judgment, but but we should see a little bit of an hourglass shape. And, you know, we can put our hands, our palms along the side of the pet, and we should be able to feel their ribs. I know that is a bit of a surprise, especially as we look at more than 50% of the dogs in the United States and 60% of the cats are overweight. So we've kind of lost sight in what is a healthy pet. So it's got to be curvy and not just straight and yeah. tubular. I can remember today and seeing patients. I've had one patient that I could feel the ribs. Wow. That's one out of one. One out of so many. You should have that fat chart. Don't, didn't you have that fat chart? I have room? that fat I chart. Even say the that's fat why chart. it's so important for having her well, on the show. It's radio. Because so. we're bad at doing what we're doing, too. No, okay. You're bad at doing what you're doing. Okay. So, okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about vets. Okay. So why are vet visits so especially important for overweight pets? Again, like humans are, you know, obese or overweight pets lead to chronic uh, other illnesses, just like diabetes, respiratory disease, and kidney disease, not to mention how bad it is on their joints. So visiting a veterinarian and we, we really expect that they will provide you the good guidance on healthy eating and the complications that it can cause for your pets if they are obese. Yeah, she would expect that from visiting with the veterinarian. Well, I mean, think about it. You know, mm. what, here's the thing that I, I, I really, I, and I'm not going to say this because I don't think you're, you know, guilty of this. Mm. So you go to the vet with your pet, you know, once or twice a year, depending on how old it is. And what's the first thing they have you do while you're waiting for the next appointment? They put your dog on the scale. That's mm -hmm. what they're supposed to do. But mm -hmm. that never translates into with a lot of veterinarians. So, Johnny, your dachshund should be like 12 pounds. It's like pushing 28. Mm. You know, like this is the dachshund. I, remember, you have AKC chart that I got you in your office. Here's mm. the AKC chart. Mm. See the dachshund, see the curvy. You know, and a lot of vets don't do that. So I think it's really important for people to ask, Doc, is my pet? Is my dog overweight? Yeah, it's really a good thing. And it's really tough for us as veterinarians, because what we found is that uh, as veterinarians, when we talk about the overweight or the obesity problem with their pet, a lot of people identify that with themselves. And we sometimes lose the ability to communicate for the rest of that visit because 
they seem to be you a don't bit offended. Hurt their feelings. You they're offended. But see, that's why it's so important in in, in veterinary college we have overweight class 101 to try to yes to try to discover the best ways to tell people that their pets are a little overweight without offending them because they identify themselves with their pets i think you should let me do it oh boy (laughs) (laughs) i want to have clients yet you will have clients (laughs) i think sometimes don't you agree dana that sometimes people want to hear the straight shoot They do. But, you know, I'm imagining that our doctors, our human doctors, uh, probably have the same challenges as our veterinarians. But it shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't be afraid to hear it. And if we want long, healthy, happy lives, it's the truth. And we all need to hear it. But that's what's so good about the show and about having you on the show, because people will be listening and they're going to have to reflect upon themselves. You know, at first they might be offended for themselves, but then they're going to start looking at their pet looking at themselves and say, God, I don't want to die from a heart attack. I don't want sugar diabetes. I don't want, because all those things happen with pets, just like they do with people being So overweight. here's how I would counter my unique oh, personality. Okay, here we go. You know what? Honestly, I know that some people get a little scared when they hear me. And then I would say, but listen, hon, <laughs> listen, handsome. Here's the real deal. I'm telling you this because I know how much you love your pet, but really I'm telling you this because I'm saving you thousands of dollars in veterinary bills. Mm. So that's my approach. Dana, can you stick around for another segment? And we got to continue this really fun conversation Mm. about overweight pets. You are listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist, Charlotte Reed and veterinarian, Dr. Michael Fleck. Can't get enough of the buzz? We're online at thepetbuzz.com with daily features including helpful tips from Charlotte, more flex facts, and a lot of ways for you to save on all of your favorite pet needs. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-Pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. Sure, I'm a little rough and tough. Somebody's got to me. I like the outdoors. Camping, boating, riding in your truck with my head out the window. Yeah, I'll poop outside. Doesn't everyone? A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Okay, Dr. Fleck and I are back with Dana Brooks, the CEO, CEO and president of the Pet Food Institute, talking about obese and overweight pets. That's after we had during break having that discussion about adipose tissue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, you're saying, okay, so go ahead. Why are table scraps a (laughs) no-no? And I specifically had him ask this question. Dana, because he is so guilty of giving cutting he'll eat he loves steak okay cutting up the steak in tiny little pieces yeah i'm thinking you out yeah oh. <laughs> oh goodness uh so you know table scraps a lot of those are very high in calories and fat even though we may not want to admit it but they are and they can cause an upset stomach to our pets 
there are things that are also toxic that we wouldn't think about. You know, garlic or um, cheese. Or cheese isn't toxic, but a little bit of cheese can go a long way. Um, but there are things that we shouldn't ever feed our pets. And you just don't think about it if it's mixed in your plate. And then, I mean, I don't know about you, but once you feed your pets once at the table or at the couch watching TV, they have a great memory for knowing when they get treated and where and uh, lead to even dishwasher licking, which I've got to deal with in my household. <laughs> you know what's so funny about this, Dr. Flack? Mm. You don't eat garlic. See, I saved my pet. Okay, so let's talk about how we can best feed our pets a complete and balanced diet. Like, first of all, what does that mean, complete and balanced? And then how do we find the best one? Oh, great question about complete and balanced. That is providing your pet the nutritional needs at all life stages. The great thing about the pet food industry is that we have good, complete and balanced, nutritious food for everyone whatever fits your budget and your wallet. This is something I do feel very strongly about. My mother is, you know, 71 years old in Southeast Arkansas and a very fixed income. And she loves her pets. And um, she's also become a little, <laughs> little bit of a rescue in her little area where people give her pets and she loves them. And she spends more on her pet food than on her food. So it's, it is really important that anyone that loves a pet should be able to have a pet and there should be a price point for them. So uh, that's one of the things I continue to push at PFI was we provide options, we provide choice, complete and balance, life stages, and at your price point. Awesome. That's what I want to hear because so many people think they can't afford a pet and people like you because with your discount clinics and, you know, people that are highly visible positions like at PFI, the Pet Food Institute, really need to be able to hear that because people are struggling now and they need to know that they don't have to give back their pet, that they can find a way to make it fit. I, I think there's a, a lecture series coming up. I don't know if it was an APPA thing, but of course it's you know, all the corporate people from various companies, I'm not going to name them. And they're talking about homeless pets living on the streets and how a lot of them are healthy. And a lot of those people, you know, feed their, try to feed their dog, you know, really will, you know, like if I see a homeless person in Denver, cause you saw you were in Denver for that AVMA, remember all the homeless people. And what did I do? I went to 7-Eleven. I bought some cans of dog food and gave it to them. We could be coming into a real crisis. Yeah a financial crisis for people. And I'm, I'm hoping that with the new trends that I see with the, with the fee structures, et cetera, that are happening in say in veterinary medicine and certainly happening in the cost of our dog foods, cat foods, that we're not going to be catering to the top 5% of the population because a hundred percent of the population have a desire and the need for the emotional stability that's produced by having that pet. Sometimes that's the only interaction that they have sure. with society. And I see it every day with people coming in. I make adjustments on what people can do with their pets, what I can do, giving them the best opportunity to have that healthiest pet. And yeah, I will at times say, you gotta cut back on that food. 
And, you know, it's their food that they're making. I think wish we would have talked about that today. Next time. Yeah, it's so great yes. to make their own food. And yes. Good Lord, I say, well, at least give them a spoonful of some dog food because of all the essential needs that they have that we don't have from our food. Let's just wrap this up yeah. and then Dana can come back and then we can have, you know, more fun and more serious conversations at a later date. Dana, we're going to let you let me know. Let me know when I can have a happy hour with you. You know, I think we should do that. I think we should have a pep bus happy hour. Well, yeah, we definitely like to have you on again. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. Hey, it's Dr. Michael Fleck back with you here on the Pet Buzz. We're kicking off football. We're kicking off the fall season. Just because the temps are falling, don't drop the ball on your pet's flea and tick protection. Fleas and ticks have a rugged defense against the elements. So stay online, man. Fall is not the time to fumble your responsibilities. Score a touchdown with your pet and make an extra point to keep your pets healthy and safe from fleas and tick this football, I mean, fall season. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. petition has been filed. And in this petition, the Center for Biological Diversity and Bombus Pollinators Association of law school students that the American bumblebee be listed as an endangered species in the insect population because of declines in the United States. So according to this petition, the American bumblebee, which was one of the most common species in North America, without immediate action to be protected, it is moving toward extinction. Can you believe that? It's such a dangerous thing to happen if it does. I know. The American bumblebee population has dropped, get this, 89% across the U.S. Oh. over the last two decades, according to this petition. Climate change, pesticides, habitat loss, and competition with other species, including killer bees, mm -hmm. which are coming here from China, are among the top causes for the reduced number of uh, the bee population. And also, I'm going to mention accidents. You remember that accident a few years in South Carolina where the guy had a truck of bees? A lot of people don't know this, but they bring trucks of bees in season and they have mm -hmm. them go from Washington State to the Midwest down to Florida and all the way around uh, in, in terms of helping to pollinate food. Mm -hmm. So additionally, according to the file petition, eight states, Maine, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, Idaho, and North Dakota, Wyoming, and Oregon currently report having zero or near zero American bumblebees left. I have so many bees in my yard, including blue bees. Hmm. It's because of the pollinators that I have. Honeybees, bumblebees, and solitary bees are really important because they pollinate food crops. Pollination is where insects move pollen from one plant to another, fertilizing the plant so they can produce fruit, vegetable seeds, and so on. Bees are single-handedly really responsible for our food supply. Mm -hmm. So this is why we always tell people, especially in these master gardener programs in, in 48 states across the country, plant native plants, which hopefully will attract bees, which then they in turn can produce more bees and contribute to the food chain. And that's really why bees are so important. 
Yeah, I've I've followed the same issue, and and it's we've spoken about the bee population uh, becoming so much reduced in in numbers over the last couple of years. Well, it's now a critical situation. It's really critical. It is really, really critical. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. It's time to wrap the show, Dr. Fleck. What? I know. We had too much fun this show. I know we did. With Shayna, figuring out if your dog's a genius, and Mm. Dana. And about our obesity issues. Yeah, fat Mm. pets, I know. Mm. Okay, so, well, before we go, we want to talk about uh, next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about canine breast cancer, how dog DNA revealed an ancient trade network connecting the Arctic to the outside world, and, of course, last-minute Halloween for you and your pets. Dr. Fleck, do you mind thanking our guests? Oh, wonderful guests. Thank you so much, Shana Drawer and Dana Brooks. Yeah, we had great guests this week. It's a fun show, definitely a fun show. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner, and supplements for your dogs and cats. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. Hi, I'm Brad Garrett. The investigation of the Humane Society of the United States exposed the link between pet stores and puppy mills. Large puppy mill operations were busted in Maine, Oklahoma, Texas, and Virginia. Bottom line, puppy mills are cruel and their puppies are often sick. So do yourself a favor and go to your local shelter for your next dog. You'll get an inoculated, already fixed dog for almost nothing. So you'll not only save some money, but you'll also save a life. Hey, did you know 2.4 million loving cats and dogs in shelters and rescues need our help to find a home? Let's go to the shelterpetproject.org and meet a few who are in a shelter near you. Harlow. Oh, she's one great listener who loves to hear all your stories. My kind of cat. Srulo is a sweet, goofy boy who's eager to please. Sounds just like another dog I know. So go to the shelterpetproject.org, search your local shelters and rescues, and go for a cuddle with your next best friend. Adopt.